0: This is Ian and his parents.
1: My name is Ian Taylor Sims. I'm Albert Sims. I'm
2: Ian's dad. I'm Ellery Sims. I'm Ian's mom.
0: And when Ian was 12 years
2: old, he started flying airplanes.
1: Ian was a natural pilot.
0: Flight consumed his life. And every single weekend, he would take flying lessons with this guy, Johnny Victory. And before long... It was obvious that Ian was a pilot prodigy.
3: I just got to fly and nothing else.
0: But when Ian was 14 years old, his life took a drastic turn. One night, he and his older buddy were headed out of town on a camping trip. I
2: wasn't entirely comfortable with it.
3: Once we got on the highway, boy, look out. We started cooking, pedal to the metal
0: in the dead of the night, in the middle of nowhere.
3: My very last conscious observation, I saw the horizon line roll 90 degrees counterclockwise. And the centrifugal force literally pulled my friend out of the high side of the first roll.
0: The driver had lost control of his half-ton pickup, and the truck rolled.
3: He landed on the highway, he got a scratch on his forehead, but the truck continued rolling, two more times, came to a stop, directly on top of me.
0: The truck was flattened, like a pancake, and Ian was still inside of it.
3: My friend, I heard him come running up, panicking, and he was calling my name. Ian, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't die, don't die. And he was crying.
0: Out of his body now, Ian watched as his friend began to dig with his bare hands through the rubble.
3: And uh, I was hovering above him, and I got the feeling that I may or may not ever wake up from this nightmare that I was having.
0: Who got the phone call first?
2: I did. I couldn't even speak. I mean, Holy Cross Hospital says Ian's in critical condition. We have to go fast. Ian's ribs had shattered, shredding his spleen
0: and kidneys and lungs which then in turn all filled with blood, and they began to cause anoxic brain injury. And the right aorta of his heart was macerated.
3: It was just a bad scene altogether.
0: He had to be airlifted immediately to the region's best hospital. And so they loaded his body, hooked up to these machines, onto a helicopter, and it took off. Here's how Ian experienced it.
3: I remember feeling like I was being swept away from... The helicopter, thundering, chop, chop, chop. As I drifted away, there was nothing. It was quiet, dark, and empty. I was so about to give up.
0: And then, within that void, Ian saw something.
3: Only because I was looking for something, anything to get my bearing on, I saw it, a tiny blue star, way, way off in the distance. As I watched this little blue star, it grew larger. When it was closer to me, I saw it was a silhouette of a hand floating in space.
0: Did you touch the hand?
3: I did. At that moment, I made contact and I saw in a flash my entire life in the past.
0: Ian saw a series of images from his childhood and the life he had lived. And then
3: I saw something else, a glimpse of my own future.
0: He saw future memories, scenes from life that he was in but had yet to be lived.
3: And that's how I knew I was gonna I was gonna have
2: a future. And when the helicopter landed at the big hospital, all these people were sobbing and crying and The doctors were telling us they didn't think that he'd live through the night and that we should all go in and say goodbye, because it was so bad. Ian had arrived with less than
0: 1% chance of survival, and the chief of surgery worked on him for only 35 minutes before he made a phone call to request permission.
3: Permission to pull the plug and let me die on the table. Little did he know, already had
0: and one of the doctors came and approached his parents.
3: And just asked my father if he would like for him to call in a priest to give me my last rites.
2: He's telling me that you need to call a priest, and it really pissed me off. I said no. He'd slipped into a full
0: blown coma.
1: And the nurses all said coma patients can hear. So we played Dean's favorite. Top Gun theme song
3: just over and over again. And my flight instructor, Johnny Victory, he knew that somewhere in my mind I must remember flying. So he made this recording flight lesson. Trim tabs, set for takeoff. Radios and electrical equipment
0: on. And on a Walkman, they play him Johnny Victory's flying lessons
2: again and again. So Ian would go through, we hoped, mentally visualizing his plane, getting it ready to fly.
3: That was a major motivational instrument for my crushed soul and tired spirit, was to uh, think about flying.
2: We chose consciously to make it positive, all the while being terrified that it wasn't going to go like we wanted
0: the hospital thought they were all nuts and lectured them about being in denial.
1: We're fully in denial. Denial is one of my favorite words. That's right. We denied that Ian was toast.
2: He's still asleep at four or five weeks. The
1: trauma surgeon said this is as good as it gets, meaning Ian would be in a coma for life.
2: They come to a decision that he is truly a vegetable, and I knew that wasn't true because when I would brush his teeth, he would move his tongue to the other side of his mouth.
0: The hospitals decided it's time for him to be moved to a rest home to pass his final days. But at his parents' insistence, the doctors agreed to come in in the morning and give him one final test.
2: And so once again, I'm alone with Ian that night. He's like out. I said, honey, they don't think that you can hear us and tomorrow they're going to come and they're going to run some tests on you and I don't know what you have in mind but you have to think of something because if you don't pass the test then we have to go to the rest home. So come up with something good. Okay, so the big day of reckoning came. All these doctors come in and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is it. So Dr. Benzo. Gets in Ian's face and he says really loud, Ian,
3: Ian, if you can hear me, raise two fingers on your right hand.
2: Albert and I look at each other, yeah, like, why don't you just get up and walk, Ian? I mean, we, you know, we just couldn't even believe that he would say that. And nothing. I actually heard him and I actually tried. So then he said it again Ian, Ian, if you can hear me, hold up two fingers. And again, nothing.
3: I was trying to move my right fingers.
2: So he does it one more time. Ian, Ian, if you can hear me, hold up two fingers. And on his broken arm, Ian holds up two fingers. (laughs) And, oh my God, I mean, one intern spun around and screamed. The other one dropped to his knees. Dr. Benzo looks and he says, Do you know what a sophisticated brain function you have to have to hear a command and obey it? Well then, Ian began to wake up, and it's not like TV where they wake up and go, where are we? You know, no. They begin to wake up slowly.
3: I was in this sterilized, padded, white, hospital-smelling environment, and I had been there a long time because I can feel it in my lungs. This was it. I'm not going to wake up anymore, and I better start getting real.
0: Two and a half months into rehab, Ian finally begins to speak. And one day, his family is all gathered in his room, and they're talking about Ian's friend, the guy that was driving and caused the accident.
1: And he said, in his eerie, raspy, post-comatose voice, I hope you're not mad because of him I got to shake the hand of God.
0: And then one day, Ian's flight instructor, Johnny Victory, saunters into his room.
3: My flight instructor came in and said, Hey, buddy, do you want to go flying? And I could not remember what, what flying meant, what flying was. I heard him ask me if I wanted to go somewhere. And so I nodded my head. Yes, you know, I agreed. I wanted to go out of there, anywhere. And once we left those hospital grounds, we went straight to Coronado Airport. He had rented a 172 737 Zulu Juliet.
0: There set a beautiful single-engine airplane, just like the ones that Ian used to pilot. His mom climbs into the back.
3: Johnny helped me climb up into the pilot seat. When I heard that hollow aluminum door closing, my right hand took over like My hand knew what it was doing. Doors and windows closed and latched. Trim tabs set for takeoff. Throttle open one-eighth of an inch. Magnetos, radios, and electrical equipment on. I was just watching my hand move automatically. Johnny came around to the co-pilot seat. Boy, once I lit up that engine, my scalp was tingling, itching. I felt like it was on fire almost. We took off. I did a few shallow banks to one side and the other. Johnny's going, pull it up, Ian. And I rolled out, heading directly toward the same airspace where my spirit had left the helicopter three and a half months earlier. The sun was just low in the sky in the late afternoon.
0: And just as that plane is hovering at 10,000 feet with Ian manning the controls in the cockpit.
3: That moment I had seen before, and that was indeed one of the memories from my future memory that I had seen in the helicopter. There it is. That's when it happened. And at that point, I knew right then I was in charge of my life and my recovery. And uh, that was cool. It was like being born in the sky. That's what I felt like.
2: on flying brother man keep on flying we'd like to thank ian
3: sims and his entire family for sharing their story with snap ian has gone on to make a full recovery and part of his rehabilitation treatment that he engages in to this very day 20 years later includes advanced hyperbaric oxygen treatments that reawaken brain cells and to find out more about it or to read the book ian wrote about his experience visit snapjudgment.org The piece was produced by Rita Daniels.
0: You are listening to Snap Judgment. And to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.